0: This is Biz Radio host, Joanna Patrice Haggerty. I am the founder of JPH Creative Biz and Art Hero, a workforce development organization. My mission is to support and galvanize artists and creative entrepreneurs because art heals and connects. I believe that by activating creativity, we synthesize change. Come connect with me on Instagram at JPHCreativeBiz. This is the Joanna Petrus Haggerty Show, where I invite the most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners to share their experiences, processes, practical tips, and inspirations. Today with me, I have Angelica Driver, who works as the Business Inclusion Manager for the City of Asheville. As the Business Inclusion Manager, she works to increase the number of businesses owned by women and people of color in cities, especially in the purchasing and contracting area through ensuring compliance, issuing certifications, and engaging in capacity building with these businesses. She has worked in the city's community and economic development department since early 2018. During that time, she specialized in relationship building with local organizations, community engagement, public communications, and serving BIPOC and women-owned businesses. She deeply values equity, inclusion, Community and ensuring she always keeps the service in public service. In her free time, Angelica enjoys reading historical fiction and fantasy novels, classic literature, and long form investigative journalism, hiking, plant identification brunches with dear friends, taking random classes on various interesting topics and hanging out with her miniature poodle, Sunny. Today, I brought Angelica on to talk about her new position with the city and her work with entrepreneurs. But first, Angelica, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Joanna. I'm honored to be here. Yes, ma'am. I have been a little, I would say, on the inside track of watching you take over this new position through our work now with AVL Pathways, which we'll talk more about. But first, can you just wind the clock back a little on Angelica Driver and help us understand where your passion comes from for this economic
1: work? Sure, Joanna. Um, I actually was born in Miami, Florida. Mm. Um, and my parents are immigrants from Guyana, which is a little-known English-speaking country in South America. Um, and I know that it's in the back of people's minds a lot, uh, what I am <laughs> so mm-hmm. I am multiracial which is a uh, pretty common for people um, from Guyana and the Caribbean mm-hmm. um, and so that is a lot of where my passion for equity and inclusion comes from because like I've always had this sort of um, interesting relationship with race and uh, I've thought a lot about it, and you know, I've been particularly sensitive to issues of, you know, institutional racism, personal racism, and things like that. And um, as I learned more about it and studied more about it, you know, I realized that economic issues have a huge impact on racial equity, and vice versa. And so. That's where a lot of my passion comes from because I believe that when we are living in a society where, you know, and unfortunately, it may still be controversial to say that racism exists yeah. and um, some people are locked out of opportunities, we're faced with this really uh, lopsided inequality. And that causes just a whole host of problems down the road. And so I think a lot of people sometimes think of equity and inclusion and bringing people on par with one another economically as something that just benefits the group that's oppressed. Mm. But in my view, it's something that lifts us all up because you know, I don't think anyone likes to look around and see that people are suffering needlessly right. or that things aren't fair for them. And, you know, as I think about the ways that, you know, I'm trying to engage with this work, that's very important to me for everyone to know that our whole society and our whole community benefits when everybody has true truly equal economic opportunity. Mm. I love that. It's like that phrase,
0: all ships rise with the tide, you know, that mm-hmm. it it doesn't just benefit one ship when the ocean shifts its water. It doesn't work that way, you know, so I think that's really valuable. I'm really curious, did you have any early personal experiences with entrepreneurialism that sort of tied in why the economic work you're really doing now is is more focused around entrepreneurial growth?
1: I, um... As a kid, of course, you have multiple business ideas. (laughs) Give Um, me one. I need to know one. (laughs) Do you want to know the embarrassing one? (laughs) Why wouldn't we? (laughs) Um, I love cheese and. (laughs) I wanted to open a restaurant that only served different kinds of cheese. Yes. <laughs> Talk about niching down, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, I did my best with what was available in the refrigerator as a six-year-old. Um, so there was cheddar, mozzarella, um, powdered Parmesan, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that was about it. But... <laughs> No, I have had like a number of ideas over the years, and I haven't ended up starting any businesses. But for me, I think that it's knowing like a little bit more about myself and, you know, what suits me and as I have gotten into working with business owners and entrepreneurs, I realize that I have a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, and I like to think up ways to make things more efficient or to reach people better or um, process improvements and um, just basically ways of like, you know, we can, there's always something that we can improve so why not work towards that um and I think that business owners take on a tremendous amount of risk Mm. and I am just so in awe and admiring of that um because you know it's it's not easy and I think that when we have entrepreneurs in the community, I'm just, I'm so proud of them. I'm Mm -hmm. cheering them on. I want to help them um, get to where they want to go. And I see myself in that support role. Yeah. I mean, I think
0: it's really powerful to say that someone in this position with the city carries that entrepreneurial spirit and also understands the equity issues that different groups of individuals are really experiencing. So I just, I think you're such a perfectly person to be poised in this position, especially because when, how long did it say you've been doing economic work um, with the city? Remind me.
1: It's been about uh, four years in in various realms.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little more about that and what's sort of been your experience so far. And then maybe we'll leave a little bit of the end for what you're really looking forward to coming up next.
1: All right. So um, when I first started with the city, actually, is around the time that we first interacted with one another, Um I was working with the Outdoor Special Events Office, um, Mm -hmm. which was housed under the Community and Economic Development Department. Mm -hmm. And um, that is one of the things that I think is so amazing and unique about Asheville is just, you know, when you are around here, you see that, like, there are so many events and so many things happening, there's so many different ways that we can engage with our neighbors. And that is um, such a huge engine of economic growth, especially for our creative and arts community, um, which are part of what make Asheville so special and such a draw for people to move here, right? And so I had felt that porting events was a great way to support our creative arts community and making a living. And just also, like driving all of the stuff that happens around events right we have a ton (laughs) of events that are downtown and once people go to events they may you know get food from a food truck or they may be like this is a day downtown let me go to the farmer's market Mm -hmm. and then meet my friends for lunch Um, and then maybe we'll go shopping and it's just uh, a lot of people don't think about the fact that uh, arts and events that have such a huge economic impact, but they really do. And they're there's something that draw people here. Um, so I was involved in kind of facilitating um, these events that took place on city property. And then I moved into more of an administrative role with the department where I was really happy to always at that point be involved with the business inclusion office. Mm -hmm. So I had a colleague who was in that position, Rosanna Mulcahy, and I just have so much gratitude and respect for her. Because once COVID hit, there really wasn't um, much going on with even outdoor events, like beginning phase, it's like, uh, we don't know what we're supposed to do. Yeah, everything <laughs> shut down. Yeah. About outdoor transmission and all of that. So I was really at sea for a minute. And then the city started drafting its business inclusion policy in the summer of 2020. And that's where I got brought on and then began working really closely with Rosanna. Um, so since that time, I worked really closely with her in, you know, drafting the policy, and then actually starting to meet with business owners, which quickly became like one of the most rewarding parts of my day. Mm. (laughs) One of the best things I was doing. I I did a lot of other stuff too. That's, That's something that's frequent with me as I'm always doing a few jobs at once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's also uh, indicative of city work too, right? You usually wear more than one hat.
1: (laughs) Yes. I shout out to my my many hardworking colleagues at the city for sure. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my journey with that work. And then just also being a part of the community and economic development department and What we do is looking at, you know, how we can improve conditions in Asheville with the community and with, well, economic development. So just getting kind of a broad-based view of what economic development looks like. We're talking a lot about what equitable economic development looks like and how we can support our local businesses um, because our local business community here is really dynamic and strong. Yeah. And I think it's another part of what makes Asheville really special. So mm.
0: that is so true. And I, I, I love sort of winding that clock back and remembering that, you know, back when I was building my festival, Expand Fest, was when we had this other touch point. And for me, uh one of the things you and I both really relate on is again economic development I think often has felt like a very intangible thing and there is economic reports that have a lot of data and charts and numbers but you and I both see it in the day-to-day that having an event where you know Susie who's making her homemade candles actually made enough money for rent that month right and how powerful that is or what that really looks like like you said when people come to an event and then spend money downtown or by parking, which goes back into city funding, or, you know, whatever these things are, that's really generating money and interest and economy for our community. And and that remind me, I'm, I probably will get it wrong. But wasn't there a study around 2018 that the city put out that was specifically about the outdoor economy and the impacts of events and how valuable and important they were to our community. Joanna, I feel like I'll have
1: to get back to you on yes. that. Yes,
0: oh my God, it I just nerded out more than you. I about think city it was data. a study,
1: <laughs> no, I have seen it. I think it was a study um, done with the county And the Arts Council, maybe? Yeah, I forget. I do Um, feel like John
0: was involved. And so I just couldn't remember if you maybe had your touch point. But to be honest, that was what inspired me to actually, like, step into the full entrepreneurial world and produce Expand Fest those first couple of years. And we Mm -hmm. understand, again, events have their own giant amount of money and time and energy they need. And when COVID happened, that also really shifted. So let's talk a little bit about what... The business inclusion office is doing now that Rosanna is is moved on to another position somewhere um, and you are now taking over. What are we doing now in the city? Okay.
1: This is a question that I ask myself at the beginning of every day. <laughs> Um, (laughs) because I, I'm new to the role. I was just promoted to it a couple of weeks ago. And whereas I've been very familiar with the work, the people, the players, the organizations, the policy, the, the everything about it, it's, it's incredibly complex. (laughs) And so I also recognize that uh, Rosanna and I are different people and we have different um, skill sets Mm -hmm. and Rosanna is incredible. And she had so much education and experience around um, business development. And she was doing kind of a lot of that direct service business coaching work. And where I have some experience with that, It is something that I would like to build more partnerships around Mm. to really give people the best service that they can get. And I also have a number of ways that I want to be doing work with city staff internally. We have the business inclusion policy, which you know, is quite long, (laughs) three pages, I think. But in a nutshell, it is the outgrowth of a disparity study that was conducted in 2018, showing that basically the city could be doing a lot better when it comes to contracting with businesses owned by people of color and women. And that is That forms the basis of the policy, which is a race and gender conscious policy. We can't mandate that, you know, contractors of color or women contractors be used on every project. But what we can require is that outreach is done in a way that actually reaches people and that people have these opportunities. So that is something that I really want to be focusing on with city staff, because the world of what we call procurement, purchasing and contracting is also a complex (laughs) world. Yeah, And it gets there are so many different opportunities for people to plug in. There's making them aware of businesses where, you know, maybe they need to purchase some office supplies and everything up to uh, maybe you've got this, you know, this construction project in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at, you know, which prime contractors to use who are the ones who are like over the whole project. And then also asking that they do outreach to subcontractors who may be able to do things like asphalt paving or building retaining walls or different things like that. So there's really this huge variety of things and opportunities, everything from $2 to $350,000 to A couple million (laughs) Um, and all of these ways that people can work with the city. So I want to make sure that city staff um, understand their role in um, publicizing and providing these opportunities so that everyone has a chance to look. And I just think that that is such a necessary and
0: needed thing. Because as you said, these, these words are complex. They've sometimes unintentionally been built without those stakeholders in the room, sharing their trials and tribulations around this. And you're just such an amazing person to be in this position. And I have to take at least the last two or three minutes to let you brag really quickly on our AVL pathways program. And then we're just going to bring you back because we're going to bring those entrepreneurs on a biz radio and have you come back and talk more about everything that's coming up. So a super quick overview of AVL Pathways and go. <laughs> okay. <Yeah.
1: laughs> so with AVL Pathways to Grow, um, we have a lot of amazing business owners. That's the first thing I want to say. And it is a program that's a partnership with the national nonprofit enterprise which has actually um, delivered this curriculum in many cities across the country and focusing on entrepreneurs of color and women entrepreneurs to really give them the tools that they need to grow and scale their businesses in a sustainable way. And what really excites me is how much data they have that shows that their programming is really effective. So, uh, kind of the idea behind it was to uh, provide this for our businesses in Asheville because it's a system that works. It encourages people to think about the various ways that they can grow their businesses and look at all of the different pieces in that, like financials, um, what their human resources looks like, what their mindset is, and all of these things. <laughs> and. It also brings people together with each other as business owners. You know, being a business owner can be a little isolating at times, and they're brought together in groups. And then we also try and make a lot of great connections with the wider community so that, you know, we we know that a lot of opportunities happen in networks. And um, I think AVL Pathways is set to really help provide a lot of those network connections for our wonderful businesses. It really is. And I'm just thankful
0: that I'm able to support you by being the instructor for that and to watch these people grow. We're what a third of the way through the program. And I'm just, I'm seeing so much evolution.
1: So before we wrap up. Amazing. And you're doing an amazing job as the instructor. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Before we wrap up super quick, can you just let people know how to find you
1: if they want to talk about these city contracts and things? Sure. You can always go to ashvillenc.gov/mwbe certify because we provide certifications for businesses owned by women and people of color to help them get more work on city contracts and my email is a driver spelled a d r i v e r at ashevillenc.gov. and you can also reach me by phone at 828-417-5642
0: Thank you so much, Angelica, for being here today, truly. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. And as always, this is the Joanna Patrice Haggerty Show, where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative leaders, artists, and creative business owners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please connect by visiting bizradioashville.com or on Instagram at jphcreativebiz. I would love to hear your show suggestions or any questions you may have. And as always, stay creative.